When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Gonna talk a lot of mixed martial arts today uh, ahead of the UFC fight night. Obviously, there's also a sideshow going on with uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren. I'll touch on that briefly as well. But first, let's just talk about, uh, and this has been delayed for a number of reasons, uh, the baseball season thus far. Last night, we had the Yankees lose a game to Tampa Bay at home. They're losing again to Tampa Bay right now as I'm recording this, but uh, fans were throwing baseballs on the field uh, in defiance of the Yankees' early season struggles. You know, when I was preparing for the baseball preview that I haven't finished recording yet, but, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I didn't think the Yankees were nearly as good as uh, what was being projected, and the reason why I say this is, you don't know where the starting pitching's coming from outside of Garrett Cole. There, there's no clear consensus number two or number three starter for that matter. And the hitting is very contingent upon DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres. And the problem is Glaber Torres has started out in a bit of a funk. No one really trusts Gary Sanchez. Stanton is boomer bust. It's either he's taking out the boomstick and hitting it 500-plus uh, feet, or he's striking out, or a weak pop fly. There's no consistency in Stanton's game. And Judge is relatively healthy at the moment, but that's a big if, because we all know Judge is probably only playing 80 to 90 games this year. So what you're left with is, not-so-great-looking baseball from the Yankees. Fans are getting pissed off. Why is Rudnett Odor on this roster, uh, a trade that no one can make any sense out of? We've got so many guys in the minors, and Brian Cashman trades for Rudnett Odor, who is done, by the way. The man is completely done. I've, I've joked about this with the Rangers fans that I know for a couple of years now. Odor's been done, and the Yankees just traded for him 
because the Rangers were paying the salary. It doesn't even matter. The more at-bats Roofnet or Door takes is more at-bats that should be going to players in the minors for the Yankees. Bottom line, if the Yankees don't want to move Glaber over to second and bring up a couple of guys, I don't know what else to say. This is very straightforward. Without Luke Voigt in the lineup, LeMahieu should be in second. You could bring up another bat to play first base. Uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu is useful at many positions. He's being wasted at first base, to be honest, uh, with his range that he could be using. It, the Yankees are a mess right now. They don't look good defensively. Uh, the offense is anemic, to uh, say the least, at the moment because of the early season struggles. It's only been 14 games, but you it's the same issues we've seen the last couple of years. Guys being incapable of hitting in crucial spots and holes in the order because there were guys with holes in their swings in prominent positions that clearly have not worked on any of the issues they've been dealing with for the last 18 months. The Yankees have holes in their games. It's that simple. And the Rays even though they don't have the offense, they do have the defense and they do have the pitching. So yeah, the Yankees are going to struggle against the Rays because if they can execute two out of three, it's still going to trump the Yankees when Cole isn't on the mound. It's not that hard. Two beats one. And the Yankees are only good at one thing, mashing the ball. They're not a great defensive team. And when Cole's not on the mound, they're not a very good pitching team. Uh, you know, again, people like to throw out these stats about why the Yankees are winning, going to win so many games, and it's based purely on the offense. But when they have cold spells like this, all the warts come to the forefront. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the baseball preview eventually, and we'll talk about it. It's not as though it's a panic situation for the Yankees and they got to blow everything up, but... They needed to reconsider certain things in the offseason. I didn't see any sense bringing back Brett Gardner. It made no sense. He brings nothing to the table for this squad, unless you want to say you want to have a veteran voice in the in the, in the clubhouse, but bring him back as a uh, as a coach. Like there there are so many other things they could be doing. Uh, you know, uh, uh, with this roster right now, Clint Frazier's not getting regular time as he needs to be the dominant left fielder on his squad. It's like they're splitting time all over the place. It doesn't make any sense how the Yankees are being run right now. And people are expecting World Series this year. I'm sorry to tell you, folks, I never saw World Series out of this squad this year. I could have made a case for it last year when the Yankees had more pitching. They have less pitching this year with a questionable pitching staff last year. So why would I say the Yankees are uh, in position to make a run this year when they have worse pitching? It's less logic involved in this. So it is what it is. Uh, but uh, yeah, th th that's kind of where things stand. Uh, you know, fa fans are going to be pissed off with the Yankees this year because they're not as good as hyped. Bottom line. They're going to win games regardless, but it's going to be a lot of hollow wins, in my opinion. And it's just as clear as day to me. So let's talk about the circus uh, uh, coming in. <laughs> coming in. 
uh, because we've got, uh, yep, Jake Paul is at it again with another circus boxing match, this time against former MMA champion Ben Askren. Ben Askren, as you may have last seen him, getting dusted by Jorge Masvidal in less than 10 seconds with a flying knee, thus leading to Ben Askren's retirement from MMA. Uh, Here's the deal. Ben Askren is a bonafide superstar wrestler, you know, made his money for years in mixed martial arts, uh, mostly with Bellator just grinding people, taking them down to the ground, wrestling them, controlling them, and, you know, getting to a victory by decision more often than not. Ben Askren, bottom line, cannot strike with anyone. He is a terrible striker. I'm not saying that any guy off the street can can beat him up, but I am saying, you know, 9 out of 10 guys in an MMA gym, if it was a striking competition, they're going to beat Ben Askren. Ben Askren is a terrible striker. He is not a boxer. So when this whole shenanigan came up, I looked at this and said, oh, man, Logan Paul really, uh, I mean, Jake Paul, oh, God, I'm mixing up the Paul brothers. Not that it really matters because the Paul brothers are realistically interchangeable, uh, to be honest, with their social media clout and whatnot. But Jake Paul is doing this whole bit, uh, you know, trying to say he should be taken seriously as a boxer when in reality, there's no way you can take him seriously. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he keeps picking these opponents. I thought when Nate Robinson was signing up to fight Jake Paul, Nate Robinson had, you know, at least some semblance of boxing uh, training. Uh, Nate, as you saw him getting knocked out, literally looked like someone who had just picked up a pair of boxing gloves three weeks before the fight. Now, with Askren, yes, he's had some boxing training. It's just that he's never been good at it. So if we're talking about a boxing match, and this is strictly a boxing match, Jake Paul basically needs to keep distance and range and just pepper uh ben askren and he's gonna coast to a victory he is a minus 150 favorite you know i don't see how ben askren cracks him he never had true punching power to begin with you know to me this is a circus fight to you know get some eyeballs watching it i won't be one of them but uh you know at the end of the day if i'm being asked to make a pick on this, I have to say that it's gonna be uh Jake Paul beating Ben Askren because you know when it comes right down to it, Ben Askren's just not gonna be able to put up any pressure on Jake Paul to be honest. You know, uh this this <laughs> I mean oh Man, it's one of those where it's like even the betting lines are favoring neither guy to get knocked out. Like that's, uh, uh, well, no, they're favoring Jake Paul not to get knocked down. Ben Askren is a minus 250 favorite to get knocked down at some point, you know. But realistically, 
there's a very good chance neither guy gets knocked down. This just grinds out to a decision, and it very much favors Jake Paul in this regard because Ben Askren is not a puncher. He is not a boxer. He is not a puncher. So you you, you don't you don't do boxing. You don't have KO power. What are you going to do in a boxing match? I don't see any avenue for victory for uh, Ben Askren unless Jake Paul screws this up entirely. So my whole thing about all this is, you know, this is a circus. Jake Paul needs to actually fight real competition if he wants to be taken seriously as a boxer. This is not a true boxing match. So I've already spent more time talking about this than I probably should have. But that that's my take on all of this. Is uh, you, you're going to see a relatively boring fight and eventually it's going to come down to you know uh, Ben Askren needing to make something happen against uh, needing to make something happen against uh, uh, Jake Paul and I just don't see it happening. I really don't. So to me this is a this is pretty much a done deal. This is going to go in favor of Jake Paul and you know it is what it is. Uh, I, I don't care. Anyway, let's get to UFC Fight Night. We got uh, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, uh, just kind of running down the card. Uh, you know, you got a five round fight between former middleweight champion and Robert Whitaker facing perennial gatekeeper Kevin Gastelum. You know, Gastelum is a very much a live dog, uh, plus 225 underdog. Whitaker is minus 286. Uh, realistically, Gastelum is filling in um, because Paulo, got, uh, Paulo Costa had a pullout due to injury. And, you know, Whitaker, I would not have favored Whitaker against uh, Paulo Costa, uh, even as bad as Costa looked against uh, Israel Adesanya. Uh, Izzy can make a lot of guys look bad from a striking perspective. I just think that, uh, you know, Whitaker, he absorbs blows. He's going to be uh, kind of punchy. He keeps both guys in it uh, if you're a decent enough striker. And Gastelum's very much a live dog because he has the power to actually hurt Whitaker. You know, my whole thing about this fight is I'm not entirely certain that this fight uh you know, doesn't end up being a case where you don't get as much volume as we should see in a five-round fight. I could see both guys being very cautious early and kind of managing uh, their way through. So, you know, with that regard, you know, if you get uh, a situation where both guys are just kind of measuring their shots, it's very hard to get a lot of scoring from a DFS perspective. So I'm actually going to be underweight on this fight from a DFS standpoint. I'm basically playing tournaments um, for cash. Yeah, I, I think you lock in both guys uh, in the main event because I think they both can get there. And it's a five round fight. You know, for cash, you're just trying to get to over 50 50 in cash. 
uh, for a tournament you're trying to win, and I just don't see any guy finishing the other in a five-round fight. I think this goes to a decision, and I don't think this is necessarily the most exciting main event. Uh, will I give the odds to Whitaker? Yes. But do I think Gaslam can pull off the upset? Without question. Um, so I'll, I'll have some uh, betting action on Gastelum uh, at plus 225. I, I think he's a live enough dog that it's worth uh, taking a shot at him, you know, just not going too crazy about uh, betting on him. But uh, I, I do think that would be the play here. Uh, but, uh, you know, when looking at this fight, uh, I, I look at this and say uh, Whitaker is probably going to take this slow. And methodical, and you know that's just not a DFS fight. Uh, in our co-main event, we've got Jeremy Stevens versus Drakkar Close, and you know this is a this is a very interesting one because uh, I think it's uh, it's probably going to be a very chaotic fight. I mean. Yesterday at the weigh-ins, uh, Stevens shoved uh, close, and they basically came in. They were almost at blows at the weigh-in. So I do think we're going to get some action on this fight. Uh, Jeremy Stevens is going to want to bang, uh, trade and bang. Um, close is going to want to grind this down, but I think Stevens may actually get into his head uh, because of that little scuffle and uh, get him into throwing more exchanges. So this could be a very interesting fight from that regard where Stevens is only a slight favorite. You know, I can definitely see both guys taking this. Could this fight go to a decision? Yes. Uh, it very well could, but I think this has way more chance of being an exciting fight than a main event. So as a co-main event, uh, I would give the, I would give the, uh, uh, advantage to close uh to get the victory here again he's only a slight underdog uh actually he, he, in some books he may even be only an even dog uh so uh, in, in, even money so not even a, a true underdog but uh you know interesting enough fight that uh, i definitely think you should keep your eyes out for uh but from a dfs perspective uh i'll i'll definitely have exposure to both guys because i do think there's potential for this fight to actually finish within the distance and that's what we're looking for from a DFS score. And if we're fading the main event, uh, you got to start looking at some of these other fights lower on the card. All right, next up, we've got Alex Munoz versus Luis Pena. Uh, Munoz is the underdog. I don't know why, but uh, I think uh, Luis Pena is a very, very weak favorite here. He's only minus 148, but I honestly think pretty much anyone that can... Uh, take uh Pena down is clear favorite and Munoz is a wrestler so to me 7500 on DraftKings uh at a plus uh, 120 underdog price I am gonna be very heavy on Munoz I just think Pena's terrible uh to to be honest so uh, I think this is a pretty much a clear-cut one um to kind of go through uh so it, it's just as simple as that next up <laughs> Abdul Al-Hassan. Oh, God, man, this is going to be painful. Uh, Al-Hassan versus Jacob Malkoon. Uh, Al-Hassan, minus 335 favorite. Al-Hassan has blown so many matchups. And again, is such a powerhouse that he's either going to knock somebody out or get knocked out 
in under uh in under a a a good bit of time so to me uh, this is a very clear cut uh matchup where someone's going to get finished probably within the first round so i will be on this fight uh very much uh i you know, even if it's like 150 entries, I think this fight's probably going to be in at least 80 of them because of just clear cut. Like one of these guys is probably going to end up in the optimal, and I don't know who it is. Um, Al Hassan is way too that line is way too high in my in my opinion of Al Hassan. I'll, I'll have some action on Malkoon because Al Hassan is very hittable. A keep a, he he does not tuck in his chin. He is ve- you can touch him up. Um, so it it's not as though Malcoon's very good. It's just the fact that Al Hassan is very hittable. So uh, definitely going to have a lot of action on this fight. Um, from a DraftKings perspective. Next up, Andre Arlovsky still fighting in mixed martial arts, folks. Andre Arlovsky was fighting in. MMA for the better part of 20 years. I've been following him through college and into my middle age and Arlovsky is still going. Now, does that mean he's still worthwhile watching? Absolutely not. Um, Andre Arlovsky usually puts on very boring fights and to be honest given his age and the amount of mileage on him I don't blame him because any hard shot he takes could very well be the last fight he takes. Um, but Arlovsky's a slight favorite at minus 130. Uh, Chase Sherman, uh, you know, yeah, journeyman type of fighter. Or like The UFC gives Arlovsky these fights with guys that haven't really established themselves but aren't really true up-and-comers just yet. I, you know... I don't really have a great lean on this fight. Arlovsky should take it to a decision, but it's not going to be a lot of volume. So to me, this is a walk away fight. So I'm passing all around uh, in all formats. Um, next up, uh, Bartos Fabi- uh, Fabinski versus George Mearshart. Um, Mearshart, slight underdog. Fabinski, slight favorite. Both are going to be very much in the playbook for DraftKings because these guys uh, very much can put up high scores on DraftKings. Uh, Fabinski is a wrestler who just keep, uh, keeps going for takedowns, and with DraftKings' new system uh, awarding control time, Fabinski should score very well on Dra- uh, DraftKings. So I like Fabinski. Mearshart also can uh, strike, uh, strike and grapple. So Mearshart, uh, without question, is a decent price. Uh, inside the distance is the most likely uh, play here. If I was going to bet on it, that's a minus 110. I definitely think these guys can bang and finish each other. Um, and I think both of these guys can end up in the optimal. So to me, this is clear cut. Uh, I'm going to have uh, exposure to this fight along with um, what we've got going on with Al-Hassan and Ma- uh, Makun. And, and kind of go from there. Uh, a women's fight between Tracy Cortez and Justine Kish. You know, honestly, a lot of these fights can just go to the decision. I don't really have a ton of great takes on some of these fights. So this is going to be one of them. Uh, 
Cortez should win. But it's going to be a lot of takedowns. I just don't see a lot of value in this one, so I'm going to take a pass on this all around. Next up, Alexander Romanov versus Juan Espino. Uh, this one is basically a lock button for all tournament lineups. I've got, uh, uh, you know, I've talked about the others, but this one definitely is going to have a lot of uh, action involved uh, between Romanov and Espino. So one of these guys will end up in the optimal. I think Espino, as the underdog, has a little bit more edge to him. So I'm going to lean more towards Espino, but I wouldn't be surprised if Romanov uh, takes him down and finishes him on the ground. Um, but it should have some interest in this fight and exposure to this fight regardless. So uh, this one, definitely, I would be focusing on uh, just uh, uh, just letting you guys know this should be a fight you should be targeting uh, quite a bit in your lineups. Tony Gravely versus Anthony Birchok. Uh Gravely, high-level wrestler. Going to take this to the ground. Uh, Minus 335 favorite. He's going to win this fight. Take it to the ground. Ground and pound him. Uh, you know, this one is uh, pretty much... Uh, if Be- if Beershock wins this fight, I- I- I'll i be honest. I- I- this- it's going to break the slate. I I, I just don't see how. Uh, Gravely, uh, 9,400 on DraftKings. He's going to be able to get him to the ground. Uh, you know, he gets this to the ground. This is... This, this one's... Uh, Beershock... Uh, no takedown defense, uh, and not good off his back. No real submission chance here. This one's pretty much uh, a uh, a done deal. So Gravely's basically a lock in my lineups. Um, next up, Jessica Pena returning after a four year hiatus uh, to fight Lupita Godinez. Uh, Godinez ninety two hundred on DraftKings. Don't like the price. Minus three hundred five favorite. Again, a lot of this is based off of Jessica Penne not fighting in over four years. Uh, I got to think there's some factor of being rusty in there. Um, but Godinez, I really haven't seen a ton um, of in terms of striking. Again, it's really hard with these uh, uh, women's MMA fights to really see dominant strikers finish fights. So I'll have some exposure to Godinez, but not a ton. I, I you know. Yeah, I could throw her into a couple of parlays, but, uh, you know, should be a win, but not expecting anything tremendous here. Um, and then the first fight of the night, Dakota Bush uh, versus Austin Hubbard, uh, slightly to- towards Bush, uh, plus 150 underdog. Uh, you know, I do think uh, Hubbard uh, can win this fight without question, but... From a DraftKings perspective, you know, 7300 you got to start being able to fit in salary. And then from a betting perspective, you know, if you're taking all favorites, you know, yeah, you'll win some money, but you're not going to do a whole ton. So I'm going to uh, favor Bush in some of my bets here. And uh, definitely he's going to be in my GPP lineups for DraftKings. So uh, that about wraps it up for UFC fight night tonight. Uh, again, I like Gravely. And I do think you need to have exposure to the Romanov-Espino fight, as well as the Fabinski-Mearshart fight. That's where you're going to get action. And of course, with Al-Hassan and Malkoon, uh, definitely uh, exposure to that fight as well. And then, you know, we'll see what variants we get with some of these other fights. But 
that's where I think you got to kind of lean towards when building out your roster. So um, that's going to do it for me today. Uh, but uh, enjoy the fights, everyone, and uh, best of luck to all of you. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.